1: Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa demattis Lapore and Ann Baldwin.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's program. It is so great to be here with you this morning and, once again, be joined by my co-host of this program, Lisa DeMatis Lapori. She's also the chief executive officer of The Connection, and we've got a great show lined up today.
3: Good morning. I'm excited. I am, too. It's great to see you again, and thank you to our listeners who are calling in. To hear about uh, this week's show, and we have two exciting uh, speakers with us today that are going to talk. We have Patrick Fallon, who is the Service Area Director at The Connection um, for Community Justice. Um, He's worked with us for many years.
2: And we have Mark. And Mark is going to chime in here in a little bit because um, he's kind of an example of what we're going to be talking about, uh, Patrick. So let's start yeah. with you, Patrick. Talk a little bit about the programs that you run at the Connection and the reentry program, especially. We've talked about this on previous programs, but this is a little bit of a different angle right. to the same story. Um, people that in, are incarcerated, you know, it's not like you just grab your bag of stuff when your day is up and you walk out into the real <laughs> world and everything's, you know, mm-hmm.
4: perfect, right? You'd be surprised. Some people, they ask to do that. Um, um, I, the, the programs that The Connection has in regards to community justice run the gambit from very large outpatient um, community justice programs with over 1,100 clients to um, very small 14 bed work release facilities, um, not facilities, houses um, in Middletown. Um, But the one thing that runs true through all our programs is I think it's very important to create a safe environment for the people that we serve. And I I, I say that because um, without change, um, you know, nothing happens. If people don't feel safe, um, they will not become vulnerable To change true. Well, we've got mark here, and you know, we talked about the
2: stereotypes of those folks who um, Have been incarcerated or on parole or go back and forth to jail So I thought it would be um, interesting to have mark on from his perspective, you know middle-aged white male um, very well educated. Um, what do you think about what, what folks are saying here, Mark? And give folks out there listening, first of all, perspective of, you know, how you got to where you were, and that was being incarcerated.
1: Well, I was incarcerated for a DUI. I had uh, two DUI within a relatively short amount of time. And, um, you know, as you know, the laws these days are very strict. Uh, unfortunately, the second DUI that I had, uh, I also violated the probation from the first one. And um, I was driving under suspension, so it was sort of mm. like a three-pronged situation. So, you know, I ended up with a, um, four months, which boiled down to about eight weeks. They, right. they release you early. But, you know, my experience in prison, I mean, I, I, mean, I saw a lot of stuff in there.
2: You know, and some of the stories that he shared, and he'll share more of those. I mean, you know, just about how they're treated. You know, they don't care... I, from what I saw, they don't com- care if you've committed triple homicide right. or gotten a DUI. You're all criminals when you're in right. those jumpsuits, right? Uh, you know, you got to beg sometimes for toilet paper, as I've been told. So, um, you know, th- that's what we're dealing with. And why is it the, like someone like Mark? You know, they sentenced you to all this time, but right. you know, because he had the means to get a good attorney, mm-hmm. he didn't have to do all that time. How many people are sitting there? You know, well, you there shouldn't you, be.
4: You, you have a. A, a large amount of very low risk offenders sitting, um, in prison, costing taxpayers a lot of money. And, and, and the, rea- the reality is, um, in the state of Connecticut, it's almost $50,000 a year to lock somebody up one person.
1: I actually have a, uh, a, a quick story. This just happened to me. Um, since I've been out, I've run into some people that I was actually in with. Right. And, um, you know, first of all, there are a lot of people that were sort of stuck in there because mm-hmm. they couldn't make bond. Right. And a lot of them were really low bonds. Absolutely. I mean, $100, $200. Right. Uh, one guy was in there for an open container. Okay. And he was there. I went in in October and got out in December. He was there around the same time I was, came in the same time. And I actually recently ran into this guy and I said, hey, you know, hi, you know when did you get out? They let him out in February. Right. So he ended up doing I think 4 4 months something like that for 100 dollars for a $100, for $100. Right. And he $100. pay
4: $100 bonds. So he and how cost much did he cost the system? Fees? Right.
3: You know that it just make doesn't that in those circumstances it doesn't make sense to me because we're wasting taxpayer dollars and you know folks some you know folks need to again I'm not saying that if you commit a crime or do something wrong you have to right. be responsible you have to mm-hmm. Be, you know, be accountable and realize that you did something wrong. I'm not excusing anything. At the same time, what I'm thinking is, you know, this is why program certain programs should not be cut because obviously if people were going to an outpatient setting or a different type of setting to deal with, you know, DUI or, you know, outpatient services or whatever it is they wouldn't have ended up there for $100. It doesn't make I, the, sense
4: to me. I think the biggest thing is, is I would like to see our state become um, a state that uses common sense when it comes to meeting out punishment. Um, we used to pride ourselves in Connecticut years ago, back in the 70s and 80s, of, of rehabilitating people. Well, um, over the years, as the budget got tight, all those rehabilitation programs have dwindled down to nothing. So. The reality is is when we incarcerate somebody now it's strictly for punishment. We're not really giving them skills to be successful when they leave.
2: Well, you know, and one of the things that I'd like Mark to talk about, we've talked about on previous shows and we'll bring it up again is the cookie cutter approach. Correct. You know, whether Mark what Mark did or what any other buddy, every, anybody else has done, he's still paying the price for this. I mean, right. all the things that he's mandated to now do and I want you to talk about those Mark from this from your quote, unquote, or if I can say air, quote, therapist, you know, to the programs, to the breathalyzer, to, I mean, all these things that, you know, here, again, you're in more of a unique situation than some people are, you know, financially or otherwise. So talk about how, you know, your sentence is, is far from over.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I was given a, a two-year probation, but I am eligible to get it terminated after a year. So hopefully around October, November, I'll be done with it. But, you know, I have to regularly r- report to probation. Um, I'm mandated mandated to see a counselor, uh, which I pay for out of my own pocket. Right. Um, And I don't know what I would do if I didn't have the means to do that. Maybe there's some, you know, they have a system in place for that. But that's another thing that I have to do. Um, You know, you're mandated to have a job. Mm -hmm. I'm fortunate that I can have a job because of my background, because of my education. But what about some people who are now unhirable because they've been in jail? Um, And, you know, the other thing is... Since I've been out, I've kept track of some of the guys that I knew, you know, right. got to be friendly with when I was in there, and just four guys within my little unit where right. I was are already back, right? Because they violated parole. A couple of them were driving. You know, I think one guy failed a urine test, something like that. But four guys, you know, granted, you know, don't violate and you won't go back there. But I know for some people not driving, you know, is just is a really tough thing. Is it worth going back to jail? I I mean, you can make the argument, yes, but it's it's sort of it's counterproductive in, in a certain way. Like, well, what is the what should the punishment be for that? Is it jail or maybe some other thing?
3: Yeah, and I mean, I think I think you make a good point, and I'm sure there, you know, again, I'm trying to be also, you know, objective, too, is, I, you know, I'm thinking there's got to be a listener out there that's thinking, well, you know, right. my brother mm-hmm. got killed by a drunk driver, right. Right. Um, you know, or got, you know, severely injured, or, you know, someone was, you know, driving a car, vehicular manslaughter, et cetera. I get all that, and I just want to say that I understand that completely. At the same time, I do believe that there needs to, we need to take a look at who is going to jail and who isn't and evaluations need to be done and alternative solutions need to be put into place to assist people Dealing with their substance abuse and really going to jail, I'm not sure that that's the answer. I'm not saying that people should be driving while they're intoxicated. Absolutely, Absolutely not. 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 Right. And there needs to be something because we, there needs to be safety, right, on the roads, etc. So I just want to be sympathetic to that, but again, just putting someone in jail, I'm not sure that again, like you said, people are going back. So obviously that's not working. They're going to continue this rotating door. The folks that you talked about, right? If they're continuing to drink or use drugs, well obviously go. Going to jail for three months, four months out, but that it does absolutely not. You
2: know what's interesting too is because you know Mark would say to me, but you know I I really didn't drink that much. I really you know I didn't do this or I didn't do that, and I would I would say stop it. Like right. you know what you do the crime, you do the time.
4: Not to condone driving while drinking. Um, when we talk about crimes in general, what happens is is people pay a continued price um because there's a stigma attached to them um i I can't tell you how many people i see in my programs that have recycled through over and over and over again and and what happens is is they come out they can't find a good job Mm -hmm. because of the stigma um you know there's there's there's, this misconception that you can't trust somebody who has a criminal record um they, they, they have all these unrealistic barriers put on them from the criminal justice um, departments in Connecticut, and they they basically get beat into hopelessness and just give up, and it becomes actually easier to, go back. to be incarcerated because, it they've unfortunately, they've learned how to navigate that system, and it's not as scary. It may not be the best thing in the world, but they know what to expect, and being in society is unknown to them and and it's human nature to be fearful of the unknown what we need to do is eliminate some of these barriers to try to help people become productive members of society again
1: well one of the guys that i was in with uh, this super nice guy you know that i met in there you know he had a couple duis you know like we all did um and he was an accountant and he got out of jail i think it was in uh december not long after i did and uh, he had done a year he had he was given a job at some accounting firm somewhere. I forget where it was. And um, I ran into him about a week after. It was his first day. I said, hey, how's the job going? He said, I don't have it anymore. Nice. They escorted him out on the first day right. because they did a background check, saw that he had you know felony on his record, and they walked him out the door. And I think it was three weeks later he violated. But he violated for driving the car. He wasn't yep. drinking again, but you know and look i haven't driven in now 2 years because right. this when i was arrested it was 2 years ago my license was suspended i couldn't renew it cuz mm-hmm. it's expired when i was under suspension so i couldn't renew it so now i'm doing a year right. so i've actually done 2 years longer than the actual
4: punishment was mm-hmm. just be, you know and it has been it's been helped so let me let me pivot to the employment piece um you know one of the things um that i implemented within our programs probably about four years ago um i took a look at the employment numbers and 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 the rate at which we were getting our folks employed was was a little low to me it was it was in the mid 50 percentile which was really low um i thought we should be up near the 80 percentile um so I, I worked with um some vocational specialists who we had employed and we created a curriculum and basically created a um a service for employers within the areas where these programs were. What it what it was about was relationships. The actual vocational specialists would go out, meet with the employers. Um, Tell the employers, listen. I have these guys. I'm assessing them to make sure that they have the skills required to do what you want done, and I will check up with you every week. Um, what that did was it eliminated a lot of the the fear on the employer's part because they felt like they had a relationship with somebody who was working with these people. And uh, to be honest, the the employment rates in these programs now are the best in the state for what we do out of nonprofits. They're mid-85 percentile, which is unheard of.
2: Well, let me. that's a good point to stop you, Patrick, because people are probably listening to this and saying, where can I access these services? Who do I call? Where do I go? And, uh, you know, there's an array of services on your website. Mm -hmm. So if you could give out that information, Patrick, if people want, you know, not that are, necessarily even, you know, coming out of incarceration, but because of the support that you just mentioned, might want to give these people an opportunity and hire them and put them
4: to work. Well, unfortunately, most all of the programs that um, I oversee require an actual referral from a criminal justice department within the state of Connecticut. Um, I I really wish that there were funds um, to give these employment services to people who, who process out of the c- criminal justice system um last year when when they cut services one of the services that was severely cut almost till there's nothing left was employment services for people re-entering from incarceration
2: that's unbelievable you know it's interesting i've had this individual working to do some um we had a tree hit our house so we've got to kind of rebuild the back mm-hmm. of the house anyway it's a long story but I have this individual who's helping me, and I'm I'm picking him up every day, you know, in his town and taking him back. And I was taking him back the other night, and he said, see those woods right there? I said, yeah. And he goes, well, that's where I lived in a yeah. tent for about a year. And right now he is in um, kind of like a, a halfway home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he said, I have every dollar that I've worked for right. these past two years, and I'm saving up. And he goes, and I don't want to be put into a housing program. He goes, I am, my goal is to get my right. own place.
4: Well somewhere somewhere along the line somebody reached out a hand to this guy and said, "Here, I'll help you." Mm-hmm. And um obviously he felt safe enough to take their hand and 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 confide in them and look for help.
2: Right. And you know it, he's such a great guy. Mm-hmm. And he loves his mother and he's got values and he's he's just smart. He used to be a boxer. And, you know, here, leave it to me, you know, the whole stereotype when I was told this guy's going to be working at her house and he's done time. I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. Well, that be, would be like someone saying, you know, we're going to let Ann babysit knowing that I'm in recovery. Are you kidding me? Right. Um, so, you know, I, I'm really glad that we're addressing that whole thing because the stereotype piece of it is is absolutely huge. So let me ask you this, Mark, too. So as someone who's been in the big house, I always <laughs> love calling it that. Um, you know, what are some of the tools and things? You know, I know you didn't even have access to reading materials. I sent you six books through Amazon, which I was told would work and you never got them. So, I hope you CEOs out there are enjoying those books I sent. But what are some of the resources that you uh that you feel really would in all seriousness help people when they're when they get out?
1: Well, you know, I I think people could benefit from You know, they do high school courses in there. They do some college. I know they do some stuff with As Nuntuck. Yeah, they're starting to. But that's a a very specialized, small group of people. And I guess it's really hard to get on those lists. And um, there's just not enough stuff in there. I mean, there were zero reading materials in there other than like you could go down to the chapel and you could get some religious stuff but other than that there was no library where i was all there was was a one little bookshelf with you know a bunch of crappy paperback books and things like that nothing educational nothing where somebody could actually stimulate their mind nothing educational in any way and it was just even just a library you know so
3: can i ask a question what did you do all day like what would a a normal day be like
1: I had nothing. Some people work. People who are there for long stints can get jobs and Mm -hmm. they can actually, you know, they can leave the building. Um, But for someone who's on a shorter term Mm -hmm. and that could be by short term, I mean like four, five, six months is even considered short. So you, you know, you get up early at five in the morning for breakfast. You come back. You sit there until lunch.
4: Why why don't we go back to your first night there? Um, one of the things that people do not understand is that incarceration is a very traumatizing, um, situation, especially, you know, for men, men handle trauma a little differently than women. I mean, we wear it as a badge, nothing bothers us. Um, but one of the things I find striking is that the reality is one of the first things that happens to a person when they, when they, they get, um, into the intake process in a correctional facility is you're sexually assaulted. You're told, take your clothes off mm-hmm. while I sit here and cavity search you. I mean, if we did that out here, it would be sexual assault. And it's just normal practice there. And, and, and once you go behind that door after intake, you are totally oppressed. You need to do exactly what you're told to do from the time you get up to the time you go to bed. You're told when to eat when to go to the bathroom, when to take a shower. Um, so, so it's ripe for trauma. And, and what happens is, is people develop unhealthy coping mechanisms when they're incarcerated. And one of the big things missing when they come out is there's no help. There's, there's no way to debrief about some of the things that you've gone through while you were incarcerated.
3: I don't know. It just makes me stop and think when I hear you talk, Patrick, again, just reiterating um, again, you know, realizing when a client walks through our doors right from um, being incarcerated, you know, what they've been through and needing to address those issues and um, let alone the reason that brought them to our door, but also the things that they've encountered while they were, you know, in fact, incarcerated. And again, um, you know, the reason why it's so important to have, you know, programs like the Connection and others in the state to assist people in working on not only the issues they had prior to going into um, prison, but then other things that you know, other experience that they've had that have been really um, traumatizing. You know, and sometimes
2: you've got to work the system yourself. Mm-hmm. And when Absolutely. I say when I say you. I say the person who may have been incarcerated, you know, look for those resources, look for those referral points if that's what you need. It's like someone in recovery in a rehab, like myself. The big question is, you know, what's your plan when you get out? You are in charge of your own plan. You know, you 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 see you've seen through the clouds enough to know that you know what I, things have to change mm-hmm. when I leave here, wherever here is. So it's important that you don't just sit back and expect everybody else to do it for you. I mean, you're not going to go All out right. there and. You're not going to, you know, use a magnet and say, hey, you come here. Um, But one other thing I wanted to ask you is, Patrick, do you take your programs Mm. into the prison systems? It sounds like, you know, from what Mark said, there's nothing there. Well,
4: they're beginning to go uh, what we call in-reach. Part of the Second Chance Act in Connecticut involves bringing nonprofit providers into the facilities to begin working with with, um, offenders prior to their release to better ready them and put them in the best um, position to be successful when they leave.
2: Well, this has been an interesting conversation. Any last words that you want to say, Mark, or like Um, don't drink and drive? Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, let me just make something clear. I mean, I'm talking about all the things that are wrong with prison, and this is not to say, to excuse anything that I did or anything that anybody else did, but it it does, there is a general feeling of you're just not being prepared or you're not, they're not using your time wisely in there. There's so many opportunities for people to do things to better themselves in there, or there could be because you've got all this time, but nobody's doing anything, you know? And people are just hanging around all day, feeling depressed, feeling hopeless. And in some cases, you know, in many cases, when they do get released, they're just throwing back out on the street, right? literally.
2: Well, I wanna thank you, Mark, for being on the program. And um, also, you. you know, Patrick Fallon, who's the director of the Community Justice Services Program for The Connection, thank you for your expertise, for your passion, and more importantly, for all the good work that you do. It's It's very, very important to our society. And you know what? If you're out there listening, you might say, well, this doesn't help me. This doesn't impact me. It absolutely does because we all live in the same society, right? Amen. We do. Yep. All right. Well, thank you again very much. But we're not done, Lisa. I want to turn on our happy faces now. Yay. <laughs> all right. Let's turn, turn our frowns upside down <laughs> because there's a huge event coming up that I want to chat about, and that's Pizza Fest. And it's uh, June 21st, 22nd, 23rd, and the connection plays a big role in that. Talk about how some of your clients are involved and more importantly, how this really is a community event that goes to benefit some great organizations.
3: Well, I think everyone probably in the New Haven area and surrounding all come down to uh, Pizza Fest. It's a really fun event. We have um, many of the uh, local restaurants that are um, donating pizza and their time and um it's really fun we even have a couple of our stuff i think running around in pizza costumes but um (laughs) aside from that's that's i actually tried it on one day it's pretty cute and, um, so anyway, um, it's a good opportunity for the community to come out during lunchtime and, um, the other, um, hours, I think it's, uh, what is it? 12, 12 yeah, to one 30. It, it is. Yep. It's, it's actually,
2: right. those are the hours
3: from noon to one 30
2: and it happens on the New Haven green. Yes.
3: On the green, yeah, on
2: the green. And you know, the great thing is pizza is only three bucks a slice right. and Italian ice miss italian time. herself that's Lisa. <laughs> so you'll be loving that I uh have. two bucks and then there's soda and water for it's a dollar so yeah
3: that's a lot of fun and we have our you know clients out there helping and our staff are out there and uh, we always pray for great weather but people come out anyway i mean who doesn't love pizza um and so it's fun and so i hope that you folks that are in the you know surrounding area will come out and join us and um enjoy a slice
2: well you know and i'm looking at the uh the the press release. And again, the name of the event is the Greater New Haven Pizza Fest, June 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. That's a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And it's also taking place um, during the International Festival of Arts and Ideas. Exactly. So there's concerts, there's artwork. You know, it's not just- It's really
3: fun. Yeah, it's not just a slice, right? Right, right. it's It's just really good time. Yeah, and,
2: and I just, I can't wait to see people just filtering out of their office buildings and- We're going to get
3: Ann out there in a pizza and a slice. (laughs) You know, Lisa,
2: I got to tell you, I used to be the Littleton Lion. I was the mascot for the football team because I didn't make cheerleader one year. So, no, I'm all done with my mascot duties. Thank you.
3: (laughs) But you would look, she's so pretty. Ann is so beautiful anyway, but she would look good in even a plastic bag. But I'm just saying, my my co-host Thanks for the offer. Thanks for the offer.
2: (laughs) So, again, more information. Um, Mark your calendars now, June 21st, 22nd, 23rd. And I'm looking at some of the great... Places like you've heard of them. Is it a batte or a bot, Miss Italian? Ba- a abate A bate. <laughs> Okay, Frank Pepe. We all know that yep. pizza. We've got um, just so many here. Star Pizza's going to be out there. Um, I should give you this list because yeah, you're see, Italian, me, uh, man. Well, the problem is the font's really small no, and you can't uh, probably no, see I can, it. Oh, you can read it. I have okay. Blo-
3: my glasses. All right. On, so okay, use your so, Italian
2: accent and name off some
3: of these uh, oh pizza God, places. My gosh, this is so bad. All right. So of course we have we have Capetta's is going to be there. We have. Pepe's, of course, we have Star, we have, um, of course, I, you're right, Wall Street Pizza is going to be there, um, we also have, you're not kidding, is it? I know,
2: it's hard, It's a, but that's well, alright, let's but, just say there's going to be a bowl of pizza, every kind and, of pizza you could ever imagine. And
3: you know what, here's the other thing too, I, I should, I just want to, you know, make a pitch out there, because all of these, um... Amazing, you know, New Haven is known for its pizza. A pizza, a beats is uh-huh. how they we say it, and the you know, Napoleon side, um, the, Napoleon side. Oh my God, from Naples, my family's from Naples. So a pizza is <laughs> like if you say a beats, everyone knows that you're um, from Naples. But you know, growing up down in New Haven, and my family actually well, it was from Worcester Street. Um, it's going to be a fun time, whether you're Italian or not. Everyone loves pizza, and um, so we hope that you know, folks come out and you know, celebrate the the great work from the community and and have some fun with us. Right, you
2: get to eat and it's it's at a great price and it goes to a great cause. Absolutely. So we'll see you at the Greater New Heaven Pizza, Pizza Fest. You got me saying it wrong. Uh, June 21st, 22nd, 23rd. It's been fun, Lisa. It's been
3: fun. Alright,
2: I'll, I'll share a slice with you, okay? I can, or, you know, you get your own slice, I'll get mine, but we'll, we'll
3: share. We'll, we'll, and yeah, we'll have yeah. some um, Italian ice, so that'll be fun. That will be fun. And thank you so
2: much for listening to this edition of The Connection. We'll see you back here, same time, same place, right here on WTI. I see news talk 1080 so.